Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Some of you guys are in the mood to hoop and holler this morning. That's cool. Let the Lord do what he's going to do. Amen. Thank you for being here today. If you're a guest with us, uh, I don't know if you know what kind of church you walked into, but now you do. (laughs) We are a Pentecostal church. We believe in the balance of the word. The Holy Spirit only moves according to the dictates of the word. And when it gets outside of the Word of God, that's when it becomes flesh. And that's when we've got to put a lid on it, right? All right. But those who may not know, our pastor's fighting a battle, and that's why we were praying. And so um, when we've got a lot at stake, we're going to put a lot into it. Amen? So maybe you've never seen people pray like that for someone before, and that's fine. But it's all right. God can be in that too, Okay? as much as he can be in, your, in the quiet prayer. So do both, right? Let's not forsake praying in private, at home, in the secret place for something up at the altar that's loud and fun, all right? But let's go home and let's match that intensity in the secret place. Is that cool? No problem with people getting all in on what God wants to do for him. Amen? Nobody in this room wants it more than, than a couple of us up here on this stage. Amen? But uh, let's match it when we go home every day. Let's pray with that kind of intensity too, amen? All right, thank you for allowing me to say that. We're going to be in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4 this almost afternoon. Uh, It's in the Old Testament. And we're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to read mostly in chapter 4. And then we're going to jump to chapter 8 right at the end, okay? So we'll be right there close together. You won't get lost. And if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read some verses, tell you what we're talking about, and then we'll pray. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. Now a day came when Elisha went over to Shunem, where there was a prominent woman, and she urged him to eat food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, that he turned in there to eat food. Verse 9. She said to her husband, Behold, now I am aware that this is a holy man of God passing by us repeatedly. Verse 10, please, let's make a little walled upper room and let's set up a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. Then it shall be when he comes to us, he can turn in there. I want to preach to you this morning, collaborating with the kingdom, which is what we started about started with last week, collaborating with the kingdom, but specifically making room. Collaborating with the kingdom, making room. All right, let's pray and ask God to bless this word. Father, we thank you for your presence that has been in this place. Lord, we are honored to be among a family of people who care so much and who pray so hard. God, we are grateful, Lord, for every single prayer. We ask you, Father, not to let a single one fall to the ground. But, Lord, right now in this time together, Lord, we ask that your presence would remain. We ask that you would give us hearing ears that we may hear your word and that you would give us soft hearts of flesh, Lord, that it may be received as good seed into good ground that it may produce fruit that remains in Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. Amen. Last week we started talking about collaborating with the kingdom of God. We specifically talked about Jesus and his disciples. Now that he invited his disciples unto himself, he summoned them and said. We talked about how that, that invitation was an open invitation. And although that up to that point Jesus had been doing most of the ministry and displaying most of the ministry, the, the deliverance and the healing and the resurrection and all that he'd been doing, he'd been preaching the gospel of the kingdom, it was now time for his disciples to engage. It was time for them to go from mere followers to collaborators. Amen. People that have heard a message and believed a message and loved the message to people who now carried the message. And then also all of the benefits that come with that message. He told them that he had given them authority to to cast out demons and to heal the sick and to raise the dead. And he told them, freely you've received, now freely give. That word freely meant undeservedly, right? Undeservedly we'd received. And how often have we undeservedly received from the Lord? Amen. How often has he imparted to us when we had no business getting anything from him? And yet those things that we receive, Jesus says in this passage, is actually intended for us to then freely give to others. That's awesome, and that's amazing, but now we've got to get our skin in the game. Now we've got to do what the disciples did, because not only did they get empowered and get a word of authority and and all that, but they also then had to go out and do it. They had to then go to the the villages and the cities. They had to put their hands on people and pray for people and see what God would do and speak in faith. They had to then preach the gospel themselves. It was no longer just about Jesus being Jesus but it was about them being a part of what Jesus was doing. So collaboration is key in the kingdom of God. There are people who, by the grace of God, will ride the seat all the way to heaven. And that's awesome. What a good God that would let people ride the seat all the way to heaven. Because we're people. We stink. We're terrible sometimes. We don't deserve to ride that seat to heaven, do we? But we have another option. We have another opportunity, and that is to collaborate with what God is doing. And I want to bring this story to you from the Old Testament because this lady was well before Jesus. There was no Holy Ghost in her her life, no gifts of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit that we know of that were working. This lady had a simple uh, contribution that she could give to the kingdom of God. She had a simple thing that she brought. It says in verse 8, Elisha went over to Shunem, a small village in the tribal lands of Issachar, and it was on the way. Shunem was not the destination. It was the pit stop. And he noticed, or he, he stopped in Shunem, and she noticed that he was stopping there. Now, based on the context of the passage, it implies to us that at first she did not know who he was. Because she identifies in verse 9 that now she realizes this is a holy man of God. She doesn't know who he is. She's just a nice, hospitable, kind woman. She has something to give to people. And it's not a big prophetic gift. And it's not some mega revelation about the kingdom of God. It's not something that she's looking for to market to the world and sell a million books on. She has hospitality in her heart. She can cook. And she has some means. We'll we'll learn from the passage that her and her husband have no children. And that they have servants and they have some land. So they must have some means about them. And so she must be, on, on a pretty regular basis, willing to feed people and help take care of people who may need it. So she sees this man, she offers him food, and then she offers him food the next time he comes and the next time, and it doesn't take her too long to figure out who he is. Behold, now I'm aware that this is a holy man of God passing by us repeatedly. 
but she makes a step that most people wouldn't make. And she does this with the purest of intention. And I, I love this because it's so opposite of what we as people tend to do sometimes. But she says in verse 10 to her husband, Behold, now I perceive this is a holy, uh, this is verse 9. Please let us make a little walled upper chamber. Let's put a bed in there and a table, a lampstand, and a chair so that when he comes by, he can hang out. He can get some rest. Him and his servant Gehazi, they can get some rest while they go on to do whatever God has for them to do. What a, what a pure heart. She's not after a seat on his board, right? She's not after his, uh, his writing the preface or the foreword of, his, of her book. You know what I mean? She, she's not after anything. All she wants to do is feed somebody. All she wants to do is make room for somebody while they're doing whatever it is that God's called them to do, whether he's going to call fire down or, or give a word, whatever it is he's called to do. She just wants to be the place where he can stop and find rest. How cool. How pure. Amen. She's not after a platform. She's not after notoriety. Nothing like that. She just wants to give what she can give. She's not even after a blessing. We're going to find that out. She's not after anything but to help. She's made room. She's literally made room. She had her husband make a room on the, the back or the top of their house, however it worked. It says upper chamber, so it, it implies it might have been on the roof of their home. So they built this man a chamber, a bedroom to stay in. And that was all she was after. She wasn't like, if you do this, or if I do this for you, will you prophesy to me? If I do this for you, will you speak a word over my body? If I do this for you, can you speak into my marriage? None of that. If I do this for you, will you partner in my ministry? None of that whatsoever. She had no ulterior motive, yet she made room literally for the man of God to advance the kingdom. She brought what she had. And we don't know what all the business was that Elisha had in the area, but as he came by, her willingness to include him, to make room for him and what God was doing grew. The more that she saw him, the more that she interacted with him, she knew he was doing kingdom stuff. And, and her only ambition was to make a little space for him and his servant. In verse 11, it says, one day came, uh, on one day he came there and he turned into the upper room and rested. It must have been pretty cozy because he, he says to his servant Gehazi, I called this Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him and he said, he said to him, say to her, behold, you have taken trouble for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Isn't that cool? This is the heartbeat of the kingdom of God, by the way. The kingdom of God is not what most people think it is. Most people think the kingdom of God is, if you do this, then God will do that. That's what most people think it is, because that's what religion tends to do sometimes. But in fact, the kingdom of God is, hey, whatever you're doing, maybe we can help with that. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says, whatever you're bringing, whatever you can do, that's great, but what else can we do? Amen. So often you'll come up here for prayer and the people come up with a need, but we don't just stop at the need. We want to ask God to go on and fill you with His Spirit. We want to ask God to build you up in your most holy faith. We want to ask God to speak into situations that you've not even asked for because the kingdom of God has what we need. It has all that we need. In fact, there's no better place to get what you need than from the kingdom of God. And Elisha makes that distinction. He says, you've done this for me. What can I do for you? He says to her, would you like me to speak to you for, the king, or for you to the king? 
or to the commander of the army. He says, hey, I know some people. And this is purely natural here. He's like, hey, I know some people. I can help you. What do you need? And she says to him, I live among my own people. In other, in other words, she's saying, I'm okay. I'm good. I don't need the king. I don't need the commander. I'm okay. This woman is so entirely selfless. I mean, you're talking to Elisha, the servant of Elijah, one of the handful of major prophets in the whole Bible, somebody who did twice as many miracles, even in death, as his teacher Elijah did. This guy did all kinds of things, parted water, raised the dead, called bears out of the woods, all kinds of stuff. That's a cool story. Read that later, the bear thing. Awesome man of God. Like, if we had an audience with this guy, we'd want, it, we'd want some stuff, wouldn't we? Amen. How many people fighting stuff? I'll be honest with you. The, the season we've been in, fighting for his health and all that, I'd take a word from a prophet like Elisha. I'd be like, hey, what you got, man? You can stay for the week. What do you got? There we go. And yet, here's this woman. No ulterior motive. She doesn't want to do anything. She's not asking for anything. He asks her, verse 14, he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, it is a fact that she has no son and her husband is old. Poor guy. You get to be remembered in all of biblical history as the old husband. (laughs) She has no son and her husband is old. Elisha then said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Verse 16, then he said, At this season next year, you are going to embrace a son. Wow. Now, I want you to see the pureness of her heart here. The pureness of this this decision, this opportunity that she's in. She has not done this to get a son. She's not done that for this reason. We know that because of what she says. No, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. She says, hey. This is something close to her heart, apparently, right? Elisha did not know it, though, did he? He didn't know that she didn't have a son. He didn't know that she wanted a son. He did not know that. He had to ask Gehazi. So he finds out the information, and he speaks the word of the Lord into her situation. And she says, no, 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 no. Don't mess with me on this. You ever had something like that in your life where you're like, listen, listen, in church, in Pentecostal church, people mean well. Can I just tell you that? When people tell you, thus saith the Lord, that the Lord has said something or given you a word, 99.9% of those people are not doing that maliciously. Right? They're not trying to give you false hope. They're not trying to stir your heart and make you believe something only for you to be let down. Don't ever think that. Most people, they, they, they get excited, they get a high in the presence of God, and then they feel like, oh, God's told me something to say, and they say it, and it's not always right, is it? It's not always cool how it turns out. And, and I'll, be, I'll be honest, there's plenty of times where I'm like, hey, you know what? I, thanks, but I've got plenty of words from the Lord. I don't need another one. And I know that sounds really jaded and really, you know, kind of snobby, and I don't mean it's snobby. I'm just saying there's times where word after word after word after word comes, and, and it's like, hey, I appreciate the word. I'm ready to see some fruition, right? I'm ready to see it come to pass. Amen. I know what God's told me he's going to do. I believe that God's going to heal. I believe that God can do all this stuff. God, do it. Thanks for the word, but let's see some action. Amen. And maybe that's not the most holy perspective, so give me grace. 
But she says, no, my Lord, don't lie to me. What a pure heart. What a pure perspective. I love that she's obviously like close enough with him that she can be that straight up about it. Like, hey, don't lie to me. I don't think she thinks he's lying. I think she's afraid that it won't happen. Because however old she is, however long she's lived, she's not had a child yet. That's the thing. She didn't ask God for it, so far as we know. She didn't ask the prophet for it. But because she came alongside and made room for God to do what he's doing, made room for his kingdom to advance, God reached down and looked down into her heart, and God saw what she wanted. Now, I'm not telling you this sermon and this story so that, number one, you'll bless the men of God. I'm not telling you for that reason. We're fine. All right? I don't need a room at your house. Got a room in my own house. I'm good. I'm also not telling you that so that you can use it as a way to manipulate and leverage against God to get whatever blessing you want. That's not the point. The point is that a woman came and she saw a need and she knew that it affected the kingdom of God and she offered what she had. And she offered it with no ulterior motive, no desire for blessing, no desire for status. And because of that, God blessed her. That's the lesson. It's not that God blesses because we do stuff. It's that God blesses when we don't ask him to do stuff. When we're not seeking the blessing. So many of us spin our wheels trying to get the blessings of God, the stuff of God, the gifts, the ministry, the platform of God, or whatever it is that we forget about him. We don't talk to him every day unless it's a Christmas list. And we don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. That's not a relationship, is it? It's not a relationship. So this woman, she says to him, don't lie to me. Verse 17. Now the woman conceived and gave birth at that season the next year. It was the word of God, man. Like God really spoke through Elisha. And it really came to pass that next year. Verse 18. When the child was grown, and that does not mean grown up, it means he was weaned. He was not breastfeeding anymore. So he's probably four or five years old. When he was just a little guy, the day came that he went out to his father and to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And his father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. I'm busy. Take him to his mama. When he had carried him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon. And then he died. Oh, brutal. Brutal. He sat on her lap until noon. She's sitting there rocking this thing she never asked for. She just wanted to bless the man of God. She just wanted to collaborate as only she could by giving somebody some food and some space and some rest. Which, heads up, men of God need food, space, and rest. (laughs) Take it. But she's offering that. And then God reaches down and he brings this great blessing into her life. And she lives with it for years and years and that's awesome. And then the curse gets involved. By that I mean the curse of the world, the fallen world that we live in. The way the world is since Adam and Eve sinned. Where even the good things of God become corrupted and and touched and tainted by what the enemy and what nature can do. Amen. How often does God do something miraculous in our life and then nature still eventually wins? Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he died again. He's not still alive. The curse still kicked in, eventually. And here's this blessing. 
this great blessing that she never asked for. And the curse gets involved. Nature, genetics, we don't know what it is. All we know is it was in his head. It was his head. And it, oh, my head, my head. And they take him to his mom and he dies on her lap. As a parent, I can't imagine. As a mother, I, obviously I'm not a mother, but as a father, I can't imagine. I could not imagine what it would be like from the perspective of a mother. Verse 21 says, she went up and laid him on the bed. Was it his bed? No. The bed of the man of God. And shut the door behind him and left. Can anyone bear witness that just because you make room for the kingdom that it doesn't always go smoothly? Amen? Just because we make room for the kingdom in our life that that it doesn't always turn out the way you thought. Amen? When this church began 30 some years ago, Obviously, you know, they hoped it would go well, but they never thought it would become this. They never thought it would become a church that has a global reach, you know, that, that's put churches in India, four or five churches in India, and that's been to Africa many times and seen tens of thousands saved, and at the same time seen hundreds and thousands saved here over 30 years. That this house would be full of people who were not supposed to even be born. We've got people in this house whose parents were told they could not have children. And the word of the Lord came. And then baby number one came. And baby number two came. And baby number three came. And mom and dad are taking steps to stop baby number four and five. Because when God fixes stuff, he fixes stuff. Amen? Nobody could have ever imagined what God can do. Nobody, none of those kids that were born miraculously were ever meant to be bound or addicted or depressed or lost. No marriage that's come into being was ever meant to be destroyed or split. The curse gets in sometimes. Nature kicks in sometimes. What God had blessed comes under attack sometimes. But what are we going to do? Are we going to do what most folks do and turn to the world and the natural systems and everything else that we usually do? Or are we going to take that thing and lay it back at the feet of God? If your marriage is a mess, don't take that thing just to the therapist, but also take it to the feet of Jesus. If your kids are lost, don't just take them to therapy or to jail if they need it. Sometimes they need it. Take them to Jesus every day, every chance you get. She took this boy and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Shut the door. She went to her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so that I may run to the man of God, run to the man of God and return. But he said, why are you going to him today? It's not the new moon, it's not Sabbath. She just said, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It will be fine, she said. This implies to us that the dad did not know that his son was dead. Wow, that's a fight waiting to happen. That's not going to go well. If it turns out the way it ought to. Verse 24, she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive the donkey and go on. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. So here goes this woman bouncing all over the Judean hillside, countryside, on her way to Mount Carmel to meet the prophet. So she went on and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold that, that's the Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and say to her, is it going well for you? Is it going well for your husband? Is it going well for the child? So Gehazi did 
And he answered, she answered him and said, it's well. It's well. Now, I was reading a book for our Life Christian University class that I taught last month. And in this book, they make the case, very word of faith, they make the case that, that you can't undermine what God is doing with words of doubt and fear. That you can't speak fear into, into situations that God's moving in or it will stop God from doing what he's doing. And then they cite this example as, as an example for us to not speak fear because she said, and you know how people, how we can preach it. She said boldly, it is well, right? That's not the context of the story. Mr. Author, who sold lots of books, read, read the rest of the passage. She says it is well to Gehazi. Verse 27, but she came to the man of God at the hill and took hold of his feet. Sorry, but when it's well, you don't do that. When it's well, you don't hit the dirt and cling on to that man. And she says to him, I lost my spot. Verse 27, took hold of his feet and Gehazi came up to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone for her soul is troubled within her and the Lord has concealed it from me and has not informed me. Then she said, verse 28, did I ask for a son from you, from my Lord? Did I ask for a son? Did I not say, do not give me false hope? Can I just tell you, if you serve the Lord long enough, you're going to be in that spot. Been there. I don't like it. It's a terrible place to be. But there's been plenty of times in the last few years where I've gone to the Lord and said, Lord, what's going on? What's up? You're a healer, but you're not healing. God, why are you doing this? You brought us to this place only to end it like this. It's what she says to him. Did I not tell you not to give me false hope? What a, what a beautiful human statement to make. I say it's beautiful because it makes me feel better when I say stuff like that to God. Because a lot of times we think we have to go to God pious and holy and righteous and in faith, which is really denial. But she did not deny the reality. In fact, she very much acknowledged it. And hanging on to the feet of the man of God, she says, did I ask for this? I didn't ask for this. Did I not tell you, don't give me false hope? And church, it's okay to be there. It's okay for us in the midst of this season of harvest where God really is saving people every time we bring them. So keep bringing them. Don't stop bringing them. In the middle of this season of harvest, it's still okay to say, God, why haven't you done it yet? You saved them, save mine. You healed them, heal mine. It's okay to say to the Lord, God, I didn't ask for this, but you brought it anyway. Church, we didn't ask for all this, but it came. What are we going to do? Are we going to lay it back at the feet of Jesus? Are we going to go to God and say, God, what's happening? What's going on? Are we going to turn away and let them rot? Are we going to do what people do and walk away? She left her son on the bed, but she did not leave him there to be buried. She left him there so that she could bring an answer, bring the answer that God had. Did I ask for a son from my Lord? Did I not say, do not give me false hope? 
Elijah, Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready, take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not talk to them. If anyone greets you, do not reply and lay my staff on the boy's face. But the mother of the boy said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. She's like, I appreciate Gehazi. He's a nice guy. I appreciate your staff. That's cool. But I need you to come. And church, that's all we need. We need him to come. Not Elisha. We got one better than Elisha. We've got one far better than Elisha. Or Elijah or Isaiah or John or Paul. We've got Jesus. I need Jesus to come. As surely as he lives, I need him to come. What this city needs is for Jesus to come. Not you and I, not another prophet or a revivalist. They're great, but they're not Jesus. We need Jesus. And I realize within the context of this, she was not talking about Jesus. But Elisha in this scenario is this type for Christ. Where he has access as this intermediary between the people of God and God. He has access to the answer she needs. Jesus, it says in the New Testament, is our advocate. The one who sits at the right hand of the Father praying for you and I. And he's not sitting up there praying, saying, oh Lord, bless their heart. Father God, bless them, like we do. Lord, bless them, they keep doing dumb stuff, bless them. No, he's partnering with what we pray. He's partnering with what we want. Just like Elisha did what the woman compelled him to do. So does Jesus when we call on him and we get a hold of his feet and we refuse to move unless he moves. And listen, if you're a new believer, you're not there yet. Don't worry about it. Thank God you're not there yet. It's not a fun place to be sometimes. But we get there sometimes. The mother of the boy said, as surely as the Lord lives and yourself live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Verse 31, Gehazi went ahead of them, laid his staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So he returned to meet Elisha and said, the boy is not awakened. When Elisha entered the house, behold, the boy was dead, laid on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind them both, and he prayed to the Lord. Wouldn't you want to be a fly on the wall for that prayer? Amen? I am sure he was praying for resurrection. I'm sure he was asking for direction from the Lord. But I'm, I'm also sure he was probably sweating a little bit. I would be. I would be. And maybe that's a little bit of an American thing to do to this story, to just assume that's how he would be. But I would think anyone in that situation would be like, Lord, I know you can, but whoa, can you? Will you? Shuts the door and he prays. Verse 33, he, uh, verse 34, he got up on the bed, lay on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he bent down, and the flesh of the child became warm. Wow. Then he returned. This has been hours, by the way. This kid's been dead now most of the day. He returned and walked in the house back and forth once and went up and bent down on him, and the boy sneezed seven times, and then he opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite, so he called her. And when, he came, when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground, and she picked up her son and left. I love that when the answer came, she still fell at his feet. Amen? She fell at his feet in desperation, and this didn't come out in the 9 o'clock. She, 
She fell at his feet in desperation the first time, begging and pleading and, and borderline accusing, right? Like we do. But then when the answer came, worship came. She fell at his feet and she gave him glory and honor. She thanked God for what he had done. And then she took her blessing and walked out of that place of death. We can't neglect to give God the glory and the honor and the praise and the worship when he does finally answer. And I'm just telling you, when he answers, church, we're going to shout it from the mountains of what he's done. Everyone who's ever known or heard or seen anything for the last five years is going to know that the Lord God Almighty lives. That he alone is able to reach and to touch and to restore just like they did when they saw that little boy every day thereafter. I want to go to chapter 8, verse 1. Four chapters and several years later, this woman's husband has died. Remember, he was the old guy, the old husband. He has died. It's just her and her son and their household. Verse 1, Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go with your household and live wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and it will indeed come on the land for seven years. Pretty cool. This relationship has continued. Isn't that neat? And you would think it would, but you'd be amazed what can happen. You can, you can do all kinds of things for people, and they still walk away. So, this relationship has continued. He gets a word from the Lord and he warns his friend, the Shunammite woman. So the woman arose and acted in accordance with the word of the man of God. Also cool. She believed him and she did what he said. She went with her household and resided in the land of the Philistines for seven years. At the end of the seven years, the woman returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to appeal to the king for her house, for her field. So what happened was she left and lived in a foreign land to avoid the famine. And when she came back, somebody was squatting on her property. Somebody decided to move in and take over. So then she has to appeal to the king so that she may have what was hers. Now the king was speaking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, please report to me all the great things that Elisha has done. And as he was reporting to the king how he had restored life, restored to life, the one who was dead, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and for her field. And Gehazi said, my Lord, the king, this is the woman and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. Amazing. This is like Gehazi is talking and then they walk in and they make their appeal and he says, oh, king, this is the one. This is who we're talking about. So verse six, when the king asked the woman, she told everything to him. So the king appointed an officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the produce of the field from the day that she left the land even until now. Listen, it's awesome that the boy was alive. It's amazing that they avoided a famine. And it's really pretty cool that the king was going to give them back their land. But he didn't just give them back what they had vacated. But he gave them back everything that they had lost out on. 
every plant, every fruit, every harvest that they had lost out on was restored. When you collaborate with the kingdom, you don't even know what you're signing up for. Don't sit back in fear and timidity and say, I don't want to get involved because the devil might come after me. If he does, he's going to pay. If he touches your body or your mind, if he touches your marriage or your children, he's going to pay for it. Everything they had lost was restored. From the moment it started until right then. I know I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. The devil's going to rue the day he touched this house. And it's not just going to be on that day when he's thrown in the lake of fire. There's a whole lot of days between now and then by the grace of God. There's a whole lot of people around you that need to know what God can do. They need to know about his power to save and heal and restore and bring life to dead things. They need to know that. So church, we have to collaborate with the kingdom of God. We have to. We have to. The only way out of this is to collaborate. We didn't ask for it, but God brought it. So now we can either sit back and say, okay, God, save the region and never invite a person, never push on anybody to come, never pray for anybody on that tree, cross. We can do all that, and God will still move for somebody. Or we can be like that Shunammite woman. We can come to the feet of Jesus every single Sunday, and we can say, God, I didn't ask for this, but you sustain it. You brought it, so you sustain it. We didn't come here because we wanted to. I say we like I had a choice. I was six when we came here. I was a little bitty guy, smaller guy when we came here. God sent us here. God sent this family here. And he sent you here. You're not here by accident either. Not a person in this place is here by accident, even the visitors. You're here for a reason. And you have an individual thing. You have individual things that God's working on in you and your your family. And then we have the collective things that God's doing. But what are we going to do? Are we going to collaborate with the kingdom of God? Are we going to participate actively? Are we going to walk in the authority that he's given us? This woman stood in authority for her son. She hit that dirt in authority. As surely as you live and as surely as the Lord lives, I'm not going anywhere unless you go. That's authority. That's scary sometimes to get a hold of God and to hang on to him and say, Lord, we're not moving until you do something. But now here we are, and God is moving. And sure, the answers we want haven't come yet, and that's fine. I hate it more than you do, but it's fine. It's going to be fine because we're collaborating with the kingdom of God. And God does not incur a debt that he does not repay. And he does not allow our adversary to steal from us blind without restoring completely everything that we've lost out on. Everything that we've lost out on. 
But we've got to collaborate. We've got to say to God, God, I am not stopping. I will. It hurts, but I will not stop. I don't understand, but we will not stop. It doesn't make sense, but we will not stop. She knew where to go and she went. And she didn't leave until the word of God came with her. That's where we're at. It's where you're at for your stuff. It's where we're at for our stuff. For the whole house. Collaborating with the kingdom. Making room. We said to the Lord this year, we're going to give you time out of our service just to draw on the lost. And we're doing our best to manage that with all the other church life stuff that we have happening. So give us grace. But he's responded to that because we made room. How's he going to respond when you make room? How's he going to respond when you say, Lord, this thing that I've been thinking about for a while that I feel like you've been telling me to do, but I haven't done it, I think that's you and I'm going to do it. What's he going to do? He doesn't heal them all or save them all. I understand that. But if I can position myself, pure motive, pure intention, I'm not doing this so the pastor gets a healing. Amen? We're not doing this gospel thing so that, that we get a healing out of it. If God heals, when God heals, that's the blessing. We're doing it because there's a kingdom to advance. Because there's lost, hurting, broken people who need a Jesus who can do for them what Elisha did for this woman. Yes, he can literally raise a body from the dead, but he can raise a marriage from the dead and a family from the dead. He can raise your money from the dead, your finances. Whatever mess you're in, your mental health, he can resurrect. And there's so many folks that don't know that yet. And if we get about his business, he'll get into our business. And I'm not the one that came up with that. He said that. And he said it for 30 years. If we get about the Father's business and the Father, we'll get into our business. Amen? So it's not just about coming up here and praying for healing, which is awesome. Thank you for everybody who did that. Thank you so much. But bring in a harvest. Fill the barn and see that the Lord will not respond to it. And do the same thing at your home. Do that thing that God's been leading you to do and you've been resisting because it might be hard or scary or it might make you more busy. Amen? I get that. Let's do that thing. Stand with me this afternoon. I went a little over. I apologize. The point is I'm trying, right? I've got a timer on the, on the podium, so it means nothing, but I'm trying. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So here's where we are this morning. This is where we're at. Individually. Everyone in this room represents families and generations. And where we are is in a position where we have at some point, hopefully, hopefully made a decision to collaborate with the kingdom of God. You might be in this place and you've not made that decision just yet. You might be one of those folks, that's, and it's easy to do. There's no harm in it. It just doesn't advance in our life if we, if we do it this way. It's easy to sit back and say, wow, God, look at the awesome stuff you're doing. Look, wow, look at what he's, look how he moved up front today. That's awesome. 
And we just stood there and watched the whole time. And I'm not knocking you. It's easy to do, especially if you've never seen it before. Fair point. But let's not miss out on our opportunity to collaborate. What's at stake for you? What are you asking God to do? Could it be? Could it be that our motives aren't always pure? Me? Not always pure. Not always entirely in tune with thus saith the Lord every time. So Lord, start with my motives. Amen? I don't need anybody to know my name. I don't need anybody to know what my gifts are. How, how good I can do this or do that. I don't need that. Got to be like the Shunammite woman. Whatever I can give, I'm going to give. That's how I was raised. That's what I was taught. If there was a need in the house and I could fill it, I filled it. For years, I was a mediocre drummer in the house. I played from the time I was 18 till Jacob was big enough to start playing, and then I gave it away because he's way better than I was. I filled a need because I could. I could keep a beat, so I did as best I could. Taught classes, done all those things, served, cleaned, all that junk. And we all do it, don't we? Thank you for doing that. I appreciate that. I know how hard it is to do that after working all week. I get it. Thank you for doing what you do. But let's not stop with what we're currently doing. And this is not a volunteer drive. Amen. It's not like, oh, we got a ministry. Let's preach about this so we get them involved. No. No, this is about what is the Lord leading you to do to make room for him? What is he tugging on your heart? What's he put in the back of your mind that you're thinking, I don't know if we can do that or not. I don't know if I have the time to do that. I don't know if I'm willing to contribute in that way. That's fine, but maybe God's giving you an opportunity to build something that he's going to bless. Don't do it for that reason. Do it because you can. But also, don't be so naive as to not sit back and, and wait and see what else God will do. Church, I believe that by sowing in this time of adversity, by saying to God, you get part of our service so you can save the lost. Before we as, as seasoned believers get our spiritual fix, before we get our deeper discipleship, God, we're going to let the gospel have its work. Amen. By doing that, I believe God is going to restore everything that we've ever missed out upon. He's going to. He's going to. But I've got to participate. So right now, God, lift your hands. Lift your hands if you're in the mood for this, if you're on board. Right now, Jesus. Lord, right now, I sign up again, fresh and new. I will collaborate with the kingdom of God. I will make room for you, Jesus so that you can do what you want to do. Lord, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like, what it sounds like, or what it feels like just yet. But I know if you're in it, I want it. I know if you're in it, I want it. God, whatever you've put in me to do, help me to do it better. Whatever you've given me to do, help me to do it better in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you don't just leave us out there to dangle. You don't just leave us out there on the hook, but that you restore. You restore when we collaborate. 
You give life to that which is dead in us. Lord, do it for your people. Do it for Winchester. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. I sign up. God, I make room. God, I make room. Come on, come on, come on. God, we make room in Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you're on board with this this morning. God, we make room. Do whatever you want to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You received that word this morning. Are we going ahead? Are we moving forward? Whether he ever heals pastor, are we going to move forward? Do we believe he's going to? Yes. But whether or not he does, we are collaborating. We're moving ahead. And as many as can be healed will be healed. As many as can be saved will be saved. Because we're, we're on board with the kingdom. Amen. 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 I'm done. I'm out of, out of voice. Bless you today. Pastor Mike. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.